I want you to open your Bibles to Mark 12, as was read for us. Very, very short lesson. Just a couple of points from this passage. But I want you to know, um, and this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just talking about when we go. When we first moved here about four and a half years ago, one of the first things we did was went knocking on doors in our subdivisions around here. Well, our subdivisions around here, generally speaking, not always, but generally, very influent, uh, affluent. Williamson County is the richest county in Tennessee, probably one of the richest in this country. And so our average home in Williamson County is not so average around the country. And so our, our mindset can be skewed as to what an affluent subdivision looks like. That said... If we were to go to East Nashville, which was a very affluent or I would say middle income area from a couple of generations ago, it is a rough neighborhood today. Drive-bys going on regularly, prostitution going on regularly, uh, drug acts going on. Uh, I was just told recently, uh, close to where Bonnie used to live uh, off of um, near Dixon Road, off of Meridian, there's a church building there, and one of the people that I've mentioned to you in the pulpit was selling drugs at the steps of the church, the church building. That's the kind of area that East Nashville has a reputation for. It's not like Williamson County, typically. <laughs> when you have people that are living and wallowing in the mire of sin, at some point, someone in that situation wants out many of the women that we've come to know that are very dear to our hearts in the jail or for some of the ladies that go to the prison and have one-on-one -on -one mentoring they've become very dear to us and if you were to speak to someone in that situation and contrast that or if you wanted to compare it with the subdivisions that we've gone knocking on doors with here it's huge difference. That first year we were here knocking on doors, I, I remember taking some of the 20-something-year-olds, the young couples from, from this congregation, and we would go right along here um, off of Liberty Pike and go into some of the, the regular neighborhoods, and door after door after door that we knocked, everyone was like, hey, life is good. <laughs> I have no desire to talk to you all. You're just trying to get us to come to your church. <laughs> And I remember about an hour into it, I said, I gathered every one of us, whoever was in that group, I said, we're at the wrong place. <laughs> Everyone is good. No one, needs any, no one needs the Lord here, it seems like. And so we moved to a different location. All of a sudden, people are listening and talking. We'd be praying with them, praying for them. Opportunities to talk to them about the Lord. And if that wasn't enough, then we saw it when we came last year as we made our entry into the jails, it was very obvious, very clear. Many of the women were hanging on to the words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is one illustration. The second illustration, when the elders had me to go to New York City, there was a difference between Upper Manhattan and Harlem. When I was in, in Manhattan, I could go and try and talk to people about the Lord. No one wanted to talk to me. Zero. 
I go to Harlem, and I talk to so very many people about the gospel. One of the first places I was passing by a liquor store, and a woman is coming out. I said, what a great person to talk to about the gospel. (laughs) And she was saying, I hate this. The liquor that was in her hand. She's addicted to it. But she says, I hate this. Thank you for talking to me about Jesus Christ. When you go to Mark chapter 12, you back up to chapter 11, and you have all these religious leaders. You have the scribes, you have the elders, and you have the Pharisees, all of whom had a reputation among the nation of Israel. They were the elite, if you will. They were the people that had all the answers. They're the people that no one would really challenge. And one by one, they came to Jesus trying to trap him in his words. That's what you read of in in Mark chapter 11. And he continues on as Mark does in his gospel account to present who Jesus Christ is, a great servant of God. But in this text here in, in Mark 12, that we're going to be looking at from verse 35 following, Jesus turns the table on them. I want us to pick up in that text. I want to reread what was just read for us, and I'm going to read a little bit past that as well because I want you to see the whole of what Jesus is doing as not getting back, but showing these leaders who the true authority is. And basically put them in their place, if you will. It says again in verse 35 of Mark 12, Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David himself calls him Lord. How is he then... His son. And the common people heard him gladly. Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. I wonder sometimes if, if we get what Jesus was teaching in the text here. I don't know why this isn't working here. I'm going to have to click through here. I wonder if we get it. I mean, when, when you read the passage here in Mark 12, verse 36, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, do you know who he's talking about? Or do you go, okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, but it's still confusing. So here's the thing. By the time of the first century, the scribes that took Old Testament passages began to have a messianic doctrine. They began to have views of who the Messiah was. And their belief was that the Messiah was coming through the line of David. And so they applied this verse to the Messiah. They said that David, who is Lord, a king, would say to the Lord... Come, sit at my footstool. But they referred to this Messiah as a descendant of King David. Therefore, a son 
of King David. And Jesus says to these scribes, how can a Jew who understands that you never call your son Lord, you never ever do it, you don't call your son or your grandson or your great-grandson Lord, none of your descendants are going to be called Lord. That's understood by all Jews. Yet, the scribes said, we believe that the Messiah is a descendant or a son of King David. How is that possible? Now, if you want to confuse someone, that would be the great question, especially if you were just so staunch in your belief in this passage that Jesus Christ, uh, let me back up, the Messiah is a descendant of King David. And they were right, by the way. He is. But they wouldn't be able to call him Lord. Not if you were to understand it the way the typical Jew did. So instead of being trapped by these scribes and by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, by the elders, Jesus uses their, their own method of asking these questions and asks them something that they cannot themselves answer. But there's something behind that. There's something more that was at stake, and that is this. You see, the scribes, the elders, the Pharisees were looked at as people of authority, that, like they had all the answers. And these individuals looked down upon the common Jew. The common Jew was not much better than a Gentile. They may not be called dogs. Oh, but they were defiled. They didn't keep and uphold the law like they did. And so the common Jew, when they saw the authority and the graciousness with which Jesus spoke, they loved him. They hung unto his words. And that's why the gospel is, in fact, good news to the common person. But to the man who stumbles over Jesus, to the one who, whether it's try to be justified through the law of righteousness, we study that in Romans, to the, to the one who simply could not accept that Jesus was that Messiah, he'd be the stumbling block. Now, here's the reason why I share that with you. Number one, I was asked to keep it a little bit shorter for today. Not because that's what we do, but out of respect for our time that we're going to have. But number two, I want you to go through your own life. All the experiences of who you have spoken to with regard to the gospel. Where have you seen the fruit? See, the gospel is for everyone, from kings to servants. It's for every single person. But who generally receives the news of salvation? The common person. That's who. The one who sees just how low they have come down in their life because they have turned away from God is so much more readily available to hear good news, to see good news, and to need good news. Jesus did not come to heal the righteous and bring them salvation, but the unrighteous. Well, guess what? If all is good in my life, I'm righteous. I don't need God. At least so I think. But if I am down because of my sins, and, and you know already, we've made it clear, abundantly clear, those who have been turning to the Lord, whether they've been involved in drugs, which is 
probably over 90% of the case, if not 85% of the case of women that we've spoken to and the men that we've spoken to involved in drugs or they're involved in any sort of criminal activity that we could talk about. Many of whom are saying, I am done with this. I don't like this. They want salvation. They want freedom. They listen to God's word and they want salvation. And that's the reason why, brethren, I'm so glad that we have our elders and we have brethren that are going to the jails on Sundays, that we're going to the jails on Fridays, that we're going out into our community and speaking to people that live on the street. Not simply helping them out of the physical needs, although that's what they need to survive. Sometimes our first world problems get a good reality check when we get to see our neighbors who are living day to day, not knowing if they're going to make it through the day. In the meantime, we're worried about what we're going to have for lunch. Does this taste better than that? You know, will I be able to make my car payment today? Well, they're hoping just to have food for today. That's the kind of lives that we are impacting day by day as we share good news. And I want you to, to look at what Jesus is doing as he's speaking to these individuals and how he wants them to know who it is that he is seeking after. And so he exposes these false leaders who use the teachings, um, they use the scribes' teachings of the Messiah. And while the leaders are silent, not knowing how to answer Jesus, the common people hear Jesus and going, hallelujah. They hear him gladly. And you'll see that all throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament through the New Testament, who it is that comes to the Lord, the contrite in heart. The one who is spiritually in poverty. But you know, those overtones blur so much, sometimes you wonder if they go hand in hand. That if you are in physical poverty, that you become spiritually impoverished as well. And you get to have humility. And you get to have things that people who always have never have a need for God because I just go to work, I get my paycheck, I earned it. What a huge difference. So here's what I want you to walk away from with regard to this lesson. I'm not saying don't go to kings and dignitaries or the kings and dignitaries of Williamson County, that is. But when you go to the average common person, they're going to hear you. Now, if your idea of average is $100,000 and above, you got to stop and think your average is a little bit different than that. <laughs> that may be close to the average in Williamson County for as far as jobs and incomes and what have you. But I'm talking to the common person, the one who struggles with life. And yes, you can struggle with life with a lot of money. But I'm talking about someone that we see typically in Scripture that society has rejected or has forgotten. Because that would make up a lot more of the world population than 100,000 average in Williamson County. Seek those for this way. And beware of these scribes. Beware of these teachers that have all the answers until the Lord comes and shuts their mouths. Because that's what's going to happen to every one of us if we try to justify ourselves before our God. Our mouths will be shut. 
and only those who humble themselves before God and have that faith in him will be justified. So if you want to take this, and I don't know if I, I found out what the problem is. I ran out of battery on this. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and click on to the next, next uh, slide. If you want to participate in the work that's going on here, humble yourself. Hold our hands. And let's go to people that really need the Lord. The people who, statistically, if you will, are those who are ready to come to the Lord. The good news is so wonderful. I'm telling you, I see great growth in the hearts of each one of you here when I see more and more of your life involved in people in this community. It really is encouraging. My heart really swells, and I mean it sincerely. And of course, I get pumped up too. <laughs> you know what happens when I get pumped up? <laughs> it just motivates me even further to share the gospel with our neighbors. Well, right now, if you need the Lord and you humbled yourself before him, he says if you'll die with him, he'll raise you from the trespasses of your sins, from the deadness of your sins, that you may walk in newness of life. And when you walk with him by faith, go take what has been given to you and share it with others. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a scribe to preach good news. You just have to be a willing servant. And there's a lot of willing servants here. And I pray that it continues to become infectious among the, the congregation here. But if you need that calling to be answered through your life, die to sin. Let Jesus be your Savior. Rise to walk in newness of life as you're buried with him in baptism. And he will be. He's promised it. And he always keeps his word. You can have that. Brethren, if you need to change the way you've been living for the Lord and you want to come and ask for our prayers, we'll be happy to pray for you. We'll be happy to pray with you. Whether you do it publicly or if you want to do it privately, it's up to you, but do it. Change. Because the Lord wants servants. The field is white unto harvest and we need workers. So turn and come be a worker for the Lord and he will bless us even further. Why don't you do that right now? It's together we stand and sing.